You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. here today. We've been uh, going through a series over the past uh, several weeks on heaven. And uh, today, as we are entering uh, Holy Week in, with Palm Sunday, today being Palm Sunday, we want to take a look at, uh, and, and actually this fitted well together, we want to look at the kingdom that Christ is establishing. Because Palm Sunday, and actually this goes right along with the next message we had in this series anyhow, uh, when Christ enters Jerusalem, there are several things going on that day. We call this Palm Sunday because if you recall, the Scripture tells us that people laid down their palm branches as Jesus was entering Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And this uh, prophetically in, in, indicated the fact that God's kingdom had now come to earth. There was this new implementation of this kingdom come to earth. That if you remember, Jesus says even in the model of prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Indicating the fact that Jesus was bringing in this new kingdom. Now the Bible also tells us, as we mentioned in prayer earlier, that Jesus is going to come again. And this time when he rides into Jerusalem, it won't be on a donkey indicating peace. It'll be on a white horse indicating victory. Now, as we move along in this series, we only have a couple messages after this. Next week, we're going to take a break and look at some things about Easter. But um, as, as, we're, as we're coming to full circle on this, we want to look at what this messianic kingdom is going to look like, this new heaven, this new earth that God has created and established. And along the way, you know, several people have been asking me many questions about heaven. And today I hope to answer the number one question that I have been asked about heaven. There, there's a question that has been asked more than any other question uh, that, that's been asked more frequently. And that's this question. Will there be animals in heaven? A lot of people are pet lovers, animal lovers. How many of you love animals? Raise your hands. About everybody does. Now... We're going to read a passage, Nolan. I thought of you as a conversation we had last Sunday. And uh, this does not, I'm just going to say, does not 
prove snake handling. Because if you remember last week, I told the Lord, God, I'll go anywhere where you send me as long as they don't handle snakes. And Francis, I, I told him the story about Mr. Stillman seeing that snake underneath your pew when I first started here at Huntsville. God has a sense of humor. I want to tell you, he has a sense of humor. So uh, anyhow, we're going to ask everybody who can and is able to please stand in honor of the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. Isaiah chapter 11 is where we're going to be, verses 1 through 16. And I want to tell you that you can learn a lot about heaven, not only in the book of Revelation, but you can learn a lot about heaven in the book of Isaiah. You can learn a lot of he- about heaven in the, in the prophecies in the Old Testament. We learn a lot about that. And so today, I want you to read along with me as we're looking at Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. We're going to read the entire chapter. There shall come forth a rod, or a sprout, from the stem of Jesse. Uh, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he he shall slay the wicked." Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf shall also lie down with a lamb, or shall dwell with a lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox." The nursing child, now Nolan, here's, here's your verse here, brother. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be doing that, but if, if that's your thing, more power to you. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and the waters as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who were left. From Assyria and Egypt, from uh, Pathros and Cush, from Elam and Shinar and Hamath and the islands of the sea. He shall set up a banner for the nations. He will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Also the envy of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. But they shall fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines towards the west. Together they shall plunder the people of the east. They shall lay their hand on Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon shall obey them. The Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt... Talking about you know, separating the Red Sea as he did before. With his mighty wind he shall shake his fist over the river and strike it in the seven streams. And make men cross over dry shod. There shall be a highway for the remnant of his people who will be left from Assyria as it was for Israel. In that day he came up from the land of Egypt. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. 
And Lord, in this passage of Isaiah, as we catch a glimpse of heaven, we ask, Lord, that you would allow us this morning, as we're talking about heaven and this kingdom that you've established, and that we'll see in its full fruition when we reach your pearly gates. We just ask, Lord, that you would have your will and your way in this time of service. Allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken, and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. In and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will be blessed and, and, and receive the words you have for us today. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. i got to share with you, uh, Tommy, Tommy York stopped by, uh, I think it was earlier this week, if I'm not mistaken. We had a great conversation. And he shared this story with me that I have to, I told him, I warned him I was going to share this. This is just too good not to share. It's the story of this man who had died and he went to heaven. And uh, he spoke with Peter at the pearly gates. And uh, Peter said to him, he says, we know you've accepted Christ, you've lived a pretty good life. He said, I'm going to give you one wish. What's one thing you've always wanted to do that you haven't been able to do on earth? And the man says, well, I'd like to go to Hawaii. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. I love, I love the island. I love everything there. I want to go to Hawaii, but I don't like flying and I don't like going in a boat. And Peter says, well, man, how do you expect you're going to get to Hawaii? You know, you, 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 certainly you don't expect me to build a bridge across the water going to Hawaii. And the man says, well, if you can't give me a place, if you can't let me go visit Hawaii, then do something else for me. And he says, what's that? Help me understand my wife. To which Peter responds, do you want a two-lane or four-lane highway? Which one do you want? <laughs> Needless to say, uh, we all have questions about heaven. We all have things we want to know about heaven. And when it comes to heaven, one of the big questions as I've, I've been asked is about animals in heaven. What is it going to be like? Now, a lot of questions we have, we're just certainly not going to be able to know till we get there. We can speculate what we find in God's Word because I do think God has given us sufficient understanding and sufficient knowledge to know what heaven's going to be like through the revelation we have not only in the New Testament but also from the Old Testament as well. But I don't want to only answer that question because I think this topic, and in fact Isaiah 11, is even bigger than that question. I think it's part of it, but I think it's even bigger than that because I think what we find in Isaiah chapter 11 is a description of what this new heaven and new earth is going to be like. We have five things that are given to us in this passage of Scripture. And to help you as you write these things down, they all start with a letter A. You know, they all start with a letter A. We see the five A's of the Messiah's new living kingdom. That's what we're going to call this. The Messiah's new living kingdom. It's a place that is full of life. Is full of vibrancy. And as we've mentioned in weeks past, heaven is going to be anything but boring. As we mentioned last week, there's going to be so much stuff to do and see in heaven, there's no way that any of us could ever get bored in a place like this. So let's answer this question of what is the new living kingdom going to be like? And first of all, we see in verse 1, the ancestry of Messiah's new living kingdom. Now notice here in verse 1, he gives an illustration. He talks about the Davidic line as he's talking about this rod coming from the stem of Jesse. He's talking about this fulfillment of the promise that God made to David and of this royal lineage that's going to come from David that's going to reign forevermore. The problem is, during the day of Isaiah, things were happening where the Davidic line was cut off. 
Now, a lot of times when you see in Scripture that this depiction of a tree being cut down, what it's talking about is the judgment of God has taken place. Because of the sins of the people, because... And this goes back even to a lot of the covenants you see in the Old Testament. God gave a covenant, which is a promise, that He would do something, and the people would do something, and there would be this pact between God and the people. The problem is God was always faithful, but the people were always unfaithful. They always broke the promise. So this new covenant that God is establishing through Christ is where God not only does His part, He does our part as well so that we can experience the bliss and glory of heaven. That is why we've said before that Paul says that salvation is by grace through faith that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't be good enough to get to heaven, quite simply. There's no way you ever could. And that's why Christ had to come and set up this kingdom. But going back in the olden times, we see that there's this link that Christ would be this branch, resurrecting this lineage, resurrecting the promises of God, so to speak. And so first we see that this kingdom is built upon the history of God's people. We secondly see that the promises of God, and this is the most important thing you need to take from this section, God will never neglect His promises to you and to me. If God makes a promise, we may fail, we may mess up, but if God has made a promise to you, understand, beloved, He is going to fulfill that. So if God has promised to give you eternal life, if God says you are forgiven, if God says you are saved, if God says heaven belongs to you, then guess what that means? Anybody want to take a guess? Praise God you're saved! We don't have to continuously worry about whether we're saved or not. One day am I saved, next day I'm not. No, if God has made a promise that He is going to save you by His grace, then praise the Lord, you are saved by His grace. You see, a lot of times we, um, you know, Ancestry.com has become very popular. You know, when I'm talking about Ancestry.com, where you go back and you can check the lineage to see, you know, how, how much blood you have in your, not blood you have in you, what type of ancestry you have in you. Hopefully we all have blood in us. But uh, to check to see where the blood lines are from, that's what I meant to say. Uh, are you Irish? Are you German? Or where, are you English? Whatever the case may be. There's an old adage that says, and I think there's a lot of truth in it, that those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Amen? And I think we have a lot of problems in our nation today, I won't get off on this, because of the fact that we have forgotten the truths of the past. But the wonderful thing we see about this messianic kingdom is that God hasn't forgotten the past of the people. God hasn't forgotten the failures of the days gone by. God remembers His promises that He made all throughout the Old Testament, and by and by they will be fulfilled. The second thing we see of this new messianic kingdom is the anointing of this kingdom in verse 2. Notice it says that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Him, talking about the Messiah. There are actually four truths we find here. First is that the Spirit of God will rest on Him. And by because of what Christ has done on the cross, because of His resurrection, that leads into another thing we don't talk a lot about as Baptists, but that's the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is very important. You know why? Because the Spirit of God came down and rested with the people of God as prophesied in the prophet Joel. He talked about a day when the Spirit of God would come and rush upon and unite with the people of God. Which means if you are saved, guess what? 
You have a complete relationship with Christ because of the indwelling Holy Spirit in your life. That means the God of heaven, the God of all creation, the God with all power and all glory has chosen to commune with you so that you have open access with Him. While it may only seem when you're saying a prayer that you're talking to yourself, beloved, understand if you have the Spirit of God, your prayers are going to the very throne room of heaven. Isn't that amazing? And this, this place of heaven is going to be a place that's infused with the Holy Spirit of God. Secondly, we see that we have the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Messiah has this, and we have access to this same spirit because of Him. This means that, uh, that this, this place will be full of wisdom and understanding. How many, times have you, how many times have you looked at the news and see someone do something that's just absolutely stupid? Anybody ever seen that? We were t- Caleb and I were talking about this very thing, you know, uh, beforehand. You know, some of the things that he's experienced in his line of work. I mean, and it just seems like you just can't fix stupid. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I mean, you know, but praise the Lord in heaven, stupidity has been solved because we have the spirit of wisdom. We have the spirit of understanding in this new kingdom. We also see that there is a spirit of counsel and strength that we're given this ability to to think through things and to do things that we're not able to do on this side of eternity. And most importantly, the Messiah has this ability. And then lastly, we see the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord uh, that, that comes about, this intimate relationship with the Father. And this is truer even than Isaiah even realized, I believe. So we see this anointing in this place that will never be separated from the presence of God. Thirdly, we see the administration of this new kingdom. And you see this in verses 3 through 5. First of all, we see that the the Lord's delight or the Messiah's delight will be in the fear of the Lord. It'll be His desire to serve the Lord. And I think the same is true for us who enter into this new heavenly kingdom. It's going to be our desire to want to serve the Lord. It's not because we have to serve the Lord. We're going to want to serve the Lord. We're going to desire to serve the Lord because we understand that we didn't earn our way to heaven. We were given the opportunity to be in heaven. And if you understand that the God of all creation, who wasn't forced to save you, He wasn't forced to save me, openly gives us of His own free will and of His own loving nature the gift of heaven, wouldn't you desire, wouldn't you want to work for somebody like that? I know I would. Wouldn't you just want to work for someone like that? Secondly, the Messiah judges according to what is actually true. Here again, the Messiah is not going to be bribed. The Lord's not going to be bribed in this administration. He doesn't only look at us on the exterior, but He looks within us. He sees what's in the heart. He sees what a person's actually like on the inside. He sees the way things truly are. Thirdly, we see that the Messiah governs righteously and justly as righteousness will be a belt around His hips and will be a belt around His waist. How many of you have ever seen companies... At organizations in this day and time that just seem to do the very opposite of what would make common sense. Anyone ever been there? Companies, organizations, maybe even government, if, if it makes common sense, it seems like the opposite is done. <laughs> and we wonder, is common sense even around anymore in our day and time? You know, as you look at the news, you read the newspapers, you, we just wonder sometimes, where is common sense? Praise the Lord in heaven, we won't be wondering about that anymore. Because the administration of God, the administration of the new kingdom will be perfect. Will be perfect, will be righteous, will be just. So when we see something good happening in our day and time, 
I think it's just a foretaste of the wonderful glory we're going to see in the administration of heaven itself. And now we get to the question that everybody's been asking. We also see that in this new kingdom, in the new heaven and the new earth, according to what Isaiah tells us, it appears that there will be animals in heaven. Look what he says here. Not only will there be animals in heaven, I think this creative God who showed off on this side of eternity is really going to show off on the other side of eternity. Because look what he says here. In this new kingdom, in verse 6, the wolf shall lie down with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with a young goat. Do you see that here on this side of eternity? Do you see uh, wolves laying down with lambs without eating them? <laughs> Do you see leopards lying down with young goats without thinking they have a golden corral meal? Not really. You don't see that. But in this new kingdom, you're going to see that the old instincts are, are, are passed away. You're going to see that predator will lie down with prey. You will see that these animals will live in harmony. All creation will live in harmony as God has designed it to be. You also see, now this isn't my thing. It may be yours, and more power to you if it's yours. Noel and I had a good conversation about this. No snake handling. <laughs> Amen, I'm not going to be in the snake handling. But uh, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. Now, can nursing children go by a cobra's hole and play around with snakes and survive very long, especially if those snakes are wild and not been tamed or anything of the sort? Can, 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 you, can you imagine that happening on this side of eternity? Or, or what, about a, what about a weaned child putting its hands down in a viper's den, playing with a viper? Do you see that taking place on this side of eternity? No, but in this new creation, it seems to be that's the status quo. That's the norm. That even these animals, dangerous animals that have lived in, on this side of eternity, will be tame and, and human beings will be able to live alongside, coincide with these animals without being harmed whatsoever. And we see that, that this, the whole status of the way things are have been, has been completely changed and completely transformed. You know, um, one of my bucket list goals is one of these days... I want to go out west and I want to see the Yosemite National Park. I want to go see uh, the Grand Tetons. and I'm envious. I've been salivating over Bob and Brenda's pictures they've had over there. And in fact, uh, Dan and Virginia, they went out west a couple years ago and they brought back some material from Yellowstone National Park. And, and I, I found it interesting. Not that I'm a big-time camper or anything like that. But I was looking at Yellowstone National Park. They have this warning that if you go camping... Make sure where you prepare your food is so far off from where your tents are. The reason is, is if those, they have grizzly bears out there. And they have mountain lions out there. They have critters that will eat you. <laughs> and the last thing I would want to do if I'm going out there is for them to look and say, Hey, folks... Hey guys, Golden Corral has just come to us. Let's go, let's go jump on this guy. We, we've got our meal here. That's the last thing that I would want happen. Anybody else like that? Not, you know, I, I wouldn't want that to happen. I don't know about anybody else. I wouldn't want that to take place. But what we see here, what we see here is, uh, we also see, uh, let me just say one more thing and I'm before moving on. At Surrey Community College one time, they had this group of people that had this tiger. And I, I've always loved tigers. I've always loved the big cats. But they had this tiger where you could come up, and they said you could go up and pet this tiger. 
And I thought, well, man, I'd, I'd like to try this as long as they have this thing controlled. and That would be pretty cool. Little did I know they were charging $50 to $100 to take a picture with him so that you could pet the tiger. I, I was kind of tempted to kind of reach over and just kind of pat him or something like that, but I, I thought I better not do that because it might turn around and I pull back a nub for all I know. Plus, the tiger had wet himself on the trip over, so I don't think anybody really took him up on that offer afterwards. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that. But if you think about all the things God has created on this side of eternity, I don't, I don't think it's even going to come close to the things that we're going to see in this new heaven and new earth that God has created. Now, I'm not saying that animals are eternal because they're not, because only human beings have an eternal soul. But I believe that God is going to create so much stuff in this new heaven and new earth that the, the, the things that we enjoy on this side of eternity are going to pale in comparison to the things we have awaiting us on the other side. And last but certainly not least, let me say this. We're also going to see the amity, amity of Messiah's new kingdom, which simply means peace. I had to try to keep them all A's, and that's the closest thing I could come to to keep them all A's. But the amity means the peace that we're going to experience in God's kingdom. In verse 10, we see that the nations of the world will look to the Lord for guidance. There are not going to be any problems between North Korea and the United States any longer. There aren't going to be warring nations taking place in this new kingdom. All the nations of the world will in fact look to God for guidance. Secondly, God's people from all nations, noted as the remnant in verse 11, will be found in every part of the world which will bring peace. Just to think of this, you have brothers and sisters in Christ all across the world, who will live in heaven with you. Doesn't it behoove us as believers to try to get along with each other? Amen? Because guess what? If, if you're saved, I'm going to do this again. If you're saved, I want you to stand up right now, if you will. If you're saved, you've been saved, you've received Christ, I want you to stand up. I want you to look around. Look around at all the people that are standing right now. I'm going to tell you, you better learn to love them because you're going to be spending a long time with them. Amen? So it behooves us to learn how to get along now so that we learn how to behave in heaven. Amen? You can be seated. So we see that we're all going to be spending eternity. And thirdly, we see that God splits the Red Sea in two. This time He splits it in seven parts in verse 15, showing how everyone has an open access to God. Everyone has open access to God. You have a problem, you have a situation, you don't have to wait to heaven. You can go to God now and He'll hear your prayers. He'll hear your concerns. You have open access to the throne of grace. But it pales in comparison to what heaven's going to be like. Now as we are here on Palm Sunday, I, I think you know a lot of us, this is hopefully... Usually around Easter time it starts getting warmer and the weather starts getting nicer... Again, I'm knocking on wood. Hopefully, if time's past serves as, as the truth, hopefully this will be the case as well. A lot of you have already made plans. And, and just think about your vacations you have planned. Some of you are going to be taking vacations at the oceans. At the oceans. Or vacations at the ocean. And just think of the peace and tranquility you have listening to those ocean waves breaking in on the coast. Just think about that for a moment. All the, the sound of that rushing water coming in. I see people ooing and aahing already just thinking about it. Just think of that ocean. Or maybe you're going to the mountains by a mountain stream and thinking of that water glistening down over the rocks, pure and clean. And you think maybe the sound of birds chirping. And all these things bring peace to our mind. 
I'm going to tell you, it doesn't pale in comparison. It pales in comparison. It doesn't even come close to describing the peace that we're going to have in heaven. A peace that no ocean can match. A peace that no mountain stream could come close to, to matching. A peace that no singing bird would even be able to counter. This peace is going to transcend everything that we know and think. And so, beloved, as we are here on Palm Sunday, getting ready to look at Holy Week, getting ready to prepare for Easter, you may say, what does this have to do with Easter? It has everything to do with Easter. Because that's the reason Christ came. Christ came to die on a cross, to give us a perfect example, but He came to die on a cross so that you would have open access to heaven with Him. He came so that you could live eternally with Him. He came, that's the whole reason He came, to establish salvation. And there is salvation in no one else except Jesus Christ. Amen? For He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He says that no man comes to the Father except through Him. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no heaven for us to enjoy. We would all be lost and dying and going to a devil's hell if it had not been for the Lord Jesus Christ. But since He came... And since He died, and since He rose again, you have the opportunity to be saved. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know you smell that food, and I know you're ready to go to to eat. I know you're ready for it. But I'm going to tell you, the best food of all is nothing you're going to eat here in a few moments. While it's going to be good, the best food you could ever eat and partake of is the spiritual food you have in salvation with Christ. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior... I want to encourage you to come and receive Him today before it's eternally too late. We heard today of another person who died at the tender age of 40. Now, whenever I was 6 or 7, I thought 40 sounded old, but now that I'm 40, it doesn't sound old at all. But you think about this. 40 years old, this person passed away. The second person we've heard about in the past month. You may not have another opportunity to make things right with Christ. If you're here today and you don't know with certainty where your salvation rests, why don't you come down and receive Him before it's eternally too late? You may never get another opportunity. Or maybe you're here today and maybe you're distressed over certain issues going on in life. Maybe you want to lay them down at the foot of the cross. This peace that God gives you in heaven can be offered to you now in a spiritual relationship with Christ Jesus. Maybe you want to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your life, we just pray that you'll come and respond according to the Spirit's draw. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do for us and all that you continue to do for us. And Lord, in this time of invitation, we would just simply ask that if there is anyone here today that is not certain about their salvation, that they would not leave these doors until they made things right with you. Maybe there's someone here today who's struggling with some type of issue in their life. Maybe they came in to this place with a heart heavy loaded with issues that they've been facing over the past week or the past month. Maybe, Lord, it's during this time that they need to come and they need to just lay all those things before your altar, receiving the peace that only you can provide through your heart. But whatever the case may be, we just ask the Lord to do that way all the things
The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Who is God? What is He like? How can we know? The answers you give to these questions will have a tremendous impact on your worship, discipleship, apologetics, and evangelism. Faulty ideas about God are permeating both the church and the culture. It's time to get back to the basics of understanding the existence and nature of the God who is. Marking the 25th year of this annual event, Southern Evangelical Seminary's National Conference on Christian Apologetics returns to Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, with an all-star lineup of some of the finest Christian minds in the world to explore this incredibly important topic. Join us October 12th through 13th, 2018 at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Among the 65 speakers at the event include Ravi Zacharias of RZIM, Josh McDowell of Josh McDowell Ministries, Chip Ingram of Living on the Edge, Gary Habermas of Liberty University, Natasha Crane, Richard Land, and many, many more. Ticket prices before August 1st are $75 for adults, $45 for students. After August 1st, the tickets go up to $85 for adults and $55 for regular price. Save an extra 5% per ticket when you register by May 1st. Group, homeschool, Christian school, and skeptic discounts are available. Call for details by dialing 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Once again, that's 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Or go to conference.ses.edu. The 25th anniversary of the National Conference on Christian Apologetics will be October 12th and 13th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hope to see you there. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read, one that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth.
Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to True North, the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of bellatorchristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. You're going to change this world for Christ. Don't look around and wonder who it is. Say, God, make it me. Make it me. Because we're training champions. That's a part of the vision. Write the vision, make it plain. We're training champions to change the world. That vision of training champions for Christ to change the world is the foundation of Liberty University. It always has been, and it always will be. Everything we are today is built upon it. But while our vision hasn't changed since 1971, the world around us has. Fewer and fewer people understand what we mean when we say train champions for Christ. So we show them. We show them what authentic faith in Christ looks like through the lens of academics, athletics, through the way we have fun and the way we serve one another and the world. We show them that we the faithful, the bold, the united, and the brave are also we the creators, the innovators, the entrepreneurs, and the leaders. We the champions are committed to tackling the issues of our time with integrity and prayer. Our vision hasn't changed. It has strengthened, broadened, expanded. It has grown into over 550 programs of study, reaching into over 80 countries, uniting over 100,000 students into a beautifully diverse family with a singular vision. We the champions, in order to affirm our tradition of unwavering faith, ignite a passion for wisdom, challenge perspectives, inspire creativity, and pursue knowledge. Do resolve to be the voice for the voiceless, bring healing to the hurting, fight for the oppressed, defend freedom, defy stereotypes, and follow God's calling wherever it may lead. Find out more about Liberty University by visiting liberty.edu.